This episode of the Out of Bounds Podcast is sponsored by Fisher Skis, and you can visit them at www.fishersports.com. Hello, hello, hello. This is the Out of Bounds Podcast. My name is Adam Jabber, and we have a really, really, really Really good episode for you today with Phil Henderson. Um, Phil organized and spearheaded a the first all-black team to Summit Everest. Um, more importantly, um, he's somebody that I really admire, and I really admire the way that he's used his platform to just talk about his life experiences. And I think we kind of go into detail about, about what that means and what that looks like for him. Uh, and we just have a really good conversation about what representation looks like in the outdoors, why it means so much to him and why, why it's important in general, like why it matters for somebody, a person of color or whatever to see somebody like them out in the outdoors. Like it's obviously it's something I've talked about before. It's something that I, that really matters to me genuinely in my own life. Um, But I, it was nice to get to talk to Phil in a really open and, and kind of comfortable conversation about, about something that maybe is uncomfortable for a lot of people to talk about, but it's uh it was really cool so thank you to phil i uh yeah can't thank him enough obviously the guests make this show happen they make everything work and that is no different today uh and honestly i hope it's it's never any different than the way it is right now so uh better and better uh moving along we have the gear guide actually this might be the week it drops right ethan it'll be right around this time if it's not this week it's next week um, we have a new gear guide. We've talked about it a little bit before and I've posted on it now and people have seen the cover, which is the best pound for pound, the best gear guide cover I think that's ever existed. I will make that claim now, um, because I actually think it is the best. Um, thank you to everybody that supported that thing. Uh, and thank you to everybody who's going to buy it because I think people are going to buy it because it is the shit. It genuinely is. Uh, it's really cool. And not because I wrote a bunch of the reviews it, that actually is probably the shittiest part, uh, and not in a good way. The best part of it is all the contributors um, from Shane McFalls doing all the cover pages. Um, Cy Whitling did a very cool back inside cover with a checklist that you guys will see um, once you get it in hand. And then we'll sell a little like peely things for you to keep with you when you're doing your outdoor vet adventures. Um, and uh, tons of great contributors for gear reviews. We did a slightly different style uh, than what we normally do where it's basically just we're doing this. Like, I don't know. I wanted people to talk about the setups that they actually ski and not some shit that they skied on a random icy day on some, uh, some resort that they're, they're uncomfortable with on a ski they've never skied before. Right. So there is some of that for sure on stuff that I've tested and spent some time on, uh, and stuff that I just like for one reason or the other, but the, the stuff that's really important are the six or seven or eight guest contributions that, uh, came from people who actually talk about the gear that they really like and why they like skiing this stuff and how it makes them feel most importantly. So, uh, gear guide number one, the first ever, um, very unique. There is no other gear guide like it in, uh, skiing or probably in outdoors, uh, support us as much as you can. I really appreciate it. We all appreciate it. And, uh, we'd love to keep making cool shit that you actually want to support. So, um, more on that later. I'm sure I'll blow up everybody's feeds on, uh, on that as it gets closer and closer for now. Uh, we have to pay the bills and this is a reminder that if you would like to listen to the news bit, that's cool. That'll come right after this. But if you don't want to listen to it, we will include the timestamps to the episode start 
um, before we actually get into the show. Um, so without further ado, we have our sponsors. Um, and we have apparently Rumple as a sponsor for this show. Ethan switched up all of the ads that I was prepared for in the beginning of this I episode. Did so the wrong ones too, you originally. did read the wrong ones. Thank you very much. I very much appreciate that. Um, Rumple is, uh, as I've said before, one of my favorite sponsors, period, point blank, because they make, they just make cool shit that you wouldn't think you need, but you actually probably need. Um, they make the best puffy blankets. That's the number one selling item. Uh, and they also do collaborations with, that's uh, called the Rumple Artist uh, Rumple Artist Series, Rumple Artist Design, Rumple—I don't know. Either way, it, they have artists design their blankets, like the one behind me uh, from Brooklyn Bell. They're they're amazing. They look so good. Uh, past guest Rachel Pohl also did one uh, that is probably—it's one of the most beautiful pieces of art that I've ever seen on anything printed. Uh, it looks so good. So uh, go check out that stuff on Rumpel's website. They also make these cool little beer blankets. They make an everywhere towel that's really nice. And uh, honestly, I've been keep, that's what I've been keeping my feet clean with for the majority of this darn tough sock challenge situation. So uh, that's been, that's been great. Go to rumple.com, use promo code out of bounds, and you can save yourself 15%, 20%, something like that on Rumpel's website. Uh, and honestly, just support the show, use the code, out of bounds on rumble.com. This is a thing that you actually really could use if you're spending overnight time in the backcountry, if you're sleeping in your van, it packs up really small, totally worth the investment. And I've, I've camped with it a ton. It makes, it really makes a world of difference. So, um, rumble.com promo code out of bounds, save some money. Uh, next we have our friends at darn tough. I, uh, as has been tested, I'm assuming this is over by the point that you're listening to this. I wore these socks for 55 days in a row, barring any unforeseen circumstances like my dog eating my socks or uh, my feet disintegrating into thin air. I've worn these socks for 55 days in a row without washing them and doing an activity every single day. And they look pretty damn good. Um, so if you can do that, you can do anything in a pair of darn tough socks. Uh, Micro Crew is uh, the one that I was wearing for a long time. Huge fan. We all wear Darn Tough. We all wore Darn Tough before uh, they were a sponsor of the show. And now uh, we have created a uh, somewhat of a cult for these socks. So uh, ski season is up is upon us. Get enough socks so that you do not have to worry about having enough socks for the ski season. Go to DarnTough.com and, uh, and keep your feet comfy and clean, even if you wear them for weeks and weeks at a time. Cool. Uh, without further ado, again... I guess there wasn't a do before, but now there's not. Uh, my friend, Phil Henderson. Phil, uh, first, very good to have you. Uh, where, who are you? Tell people a little bit about yourself, and then we'll kind of kick it off from there. Wow, just a little bit. Uh, yeah, my name's Phil Henderson. Um, currently, I, I live in, in southwest Colorado. I'm in Cortez, Colorado. Cool. Um, originally from San Diego, California, but I've lived in various places in the Rockies and spent a couple years in, in, in Patagonia, a couple years in, 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 uh, in East Africa and Kenya, you know, just traveling around. That's what, that's what the outdoor industry has done for me. It's been awesome. Yeah. That's great. Um, so obviously recent expedition, first all black team to summit Everest. Um, that's kind of been like the big story I feel like for the spring for you and I'm sure for, you know, the years leading up to that, they get that thing all prepped out. Um, 
why don't we start off and tell people a little bit about that, what that experience was like, why you wanted to do it, uh, and then we'll kind of work our way backwards from there. Yeah, that, um, you know, Everest uh, 2022, that, you know, for one, it, it the, the story itself kind of came out of, you know, kind of my life in a sense, and having the lack of, of, of representation out there. And then when I met Conrad and, you know, went to Nepal for the first time and really connected with folks from, from Nepal and it kind of, you know, be, just built community there. And then when I went to Everest in 2012 and that really, you know, in that time between 2006 and 12 was first time I even ever really thought about going to Everest at all. And then I got the opportunity and then, Again, just years of going to Nepal and not seeing other people that look like me. It was like, man, I'd like to change that. And then I moved to Patagonia, I came back, and then there was this, you know, group of people that we either ran into each other or Conrad had been mentoring and kind of, you know, getting out and climbing and so on. And before you know it, we kind of had a team that could talk about the the possibility. And we just made it happen. So, yeah. What? What was it like? Um, so what's for people that are unfamiliar, what's the process of getting that set up? What is it even like to to decide you're going to Everest, I think is one thing. What are what are some of the logistics, the hoops you have to jump through? It's I feel like Everest gets talked about all the time, but it's not there hasn't been very many people that have actually summited Everest in general, right? It's like ten thousand people total or something like that. And then yeah. it, like ten people, ten African American people ever had summited up until this point and now it's up to 19 or something like that right yeah so so we we we, we can go back and and i mean numbers who 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 knows and right yeah exactly. people <laughs> keeping track and and that but that's a good part of 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 the ever story too and this is one of the reasons why i wanted people to go so we could really talk about it and some of the things that are underlying about everest but you know they keep records and uh, i'm forgetting the woman's name right now then she was ahead of that for a long time um and she passed and they're still doing it so that's some kind of some of the behind the scenes things that leaders of expeditions have to do they have to talk to people and give stats of you know names and you know team members and that kind of stuff so that they can keep records but um you know there's been about six thousand people or a little over six thousand people in general, who have summoned Everest. Okay. The 10,000 comes because there's multiple people who, Got have, it. who have summited multiple times. And most of those people are Sherpa. Right. We have Sherpas that have summited Everest between either five and 20 times. Right. There's a lot of who, have, who, who fit that, who, who fall in that category. And so they can kind of make up the, the other, you know, couple thousand in that sense. Um, in terms of, of black people, it, it's just black people around the world, period. Right. And then, of course, so that's, you know, Africa, South Africa, you know, around the world, black Americans, not all black Americans. So we're just talking 10 people around the world who are black people is what it was up until 2022. Yep. Um, and, you know, putting it together, I mean, there's a lot that comes into it. And, you know, given the fact that we, we started the expedition before the pandemic, um, before uh, uh, we, you know, we had a, a, a yet another, you know, kind of social uprising in the United States, you know, behind George Floyd murders and so on. And so 
I think it's just important for people to know that because this, this expedition wasn't a reaction to that. It just was, you know, our, our paths happened to come, you know, all together at one moment just prior to that. But it all resonates and it came at a good time to say, hey, world, wake up. Right. And to a lot of different things, you know, things that go on in our society or things that are happening to all over the globe, which is a pandemic or the fact that mountaineering isn't seen for black people, you know, in this country yet around the world. Did we put it together for that reason? No, it just so happens that we were all skilled enough and experienced enough at this time. And our lives kind of came together and we're like, yo, let's do it. And that process is kind of, you know, you you have some people and it's not like being in a classroom, right? Where you want to raise your hand and say, <laughs> does everybody agree, you know? And uh, that's where that that's where commitment. But then how how much can you get, you know, anyone to commit when you're not all together in the same room for the next year? You're around the country and training has to be done on your own and you have no money. Um, and the industry is coming out of a pandemic and, and, and supply chain issues are crazy. And, and you're trying to convince people to, Hey, fund this expedition of, you know, 10 black people or, you know, a group of black people who want to go climb Everest. Um, it's not a hard, it's not an easy thing to do in any <laughs> senses. So, but we managed to do it to make a long story short, we, we managed to do it. And, and in a year where, you know, we had good weather and, uh, we had a great team and, you know, we we had a lot of support from a lot of, you know, players in the outdoor industry um, and individuals, you know, our GoFundMe was, you know, was really strong. So put all that together, man. And the bottom line is we're, what I've always tried to do personally is just make a positive difference in the world and feel like we were able to put that together with climbing one of the highest mountains in the world and, or the highest mountain in the world yeah. and, uh, and be successful at it. So shit, you know, <laughs> no said for that. I mean, I, I, I don't know what else to say. You know what I mean? It's um, yeah. It's, it's incredible, man. I, it, it's really, I think one of the things that people don't necessarily understand about Everest too, is like, you don't get to just go. Like it's more complicated than just like training a little bit and just going, right? Yeah, yeah. And and it was, you know, again, it was, you know, getting funding and, and um, you know, financial funding and, and in terms of equipment for, you know, for a group. But we also included our Sherpa team in that as well. You know, we were all one team. And so um, there's a lot of logistics that goes behind that. As a team, we were meeting, you know, once a week. We had Zoom calls once a week for more than a year. No kidding. Um, just to kind of stay connected, you know, and talk about some of the things, talk about training or, uh, you know, talk about equipment, who's going to be getting what, and, you know, getting all those things sent around to different people. And we did a training trip to Nepal in January, you know, thanks to the, the to, you know, our sponsors and a big one at that time was the Alex Lowe Foundation, you know, the climate, Congo Climbing School. And so it was just, there's a lot of moving parts that went to make the whole thing happen. It would take us forever to talk about all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Can you talk a little bit, I guess, about the, the trust aspect of getting together a team like that and how you get a group together and be, and be reliant 
on other people to that level because I think that that's something that's really important to have when you're doing any alpine adventure like you have to trust yeah. your partners when you're doing that kind of thing and i guess if yeah. you're doing a year worth of zoom calls you build some of that but that that in-person experience is really important and I, I don't know how well you knew these other people that were going on this with you but there's there's a yeah. lot to it man like that's uh, oh, yeah. that would stress me out more than anything i think you know i mean i mean it, it's like we all knew pretty much of each other in some way, shape or form, you know, right. um, not everybody knew each other, but we were connected to one or two people. And over a three year period, we, you know, we, we did a trip to highlight Canyon. Um, not everybody was there, but some of us were there for that one. We did a trip to Rainier. Um, all of us were there except one. I think uh, we did a trip to, to Nepal in January, which then it, and I, you know, which then included our, our, you know, the members of our Sherpa team that were already in Nepal as well. And so all of that is a part of, you know, taking away that non-structure of a team, you know, and taking away some of that anxiety that people may have of, you know, not knowing folks. It's like we spend a fair amount of time together, to be honest. And then you add in the Zoom calls over, you know, that period of time. And then the fact that, let's see, um, I think uh, Rosemary came by, you know, stopped by my house because Rosemary and I had been on three mountains together before anyway. We'd been together on Denali. We'd been together on Kilimanjaro. We spent time in Chile. And so that relationship is there. KG and I had been, had spent time in the mountains together in Kenya we all, the three of us had worked for Noel. So we know some what of what we're all bringing to the mountain in a sense, right? Um, I spent time skiing with Eddie and climbing with Dom and, and Fred and and, uh, and Manoa, you know, in Uray climbing ice. And so we all have kind of a, a connection there that helped strengthen that bond in general, right? Um, but then the biggest part really is, you know, we have your Sherpa team as well. And... Mm. The trip for us to go there in January was was the I think the most important part of that was to 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 see and meet those folks to right. start that relationship with people from the Sherpa community instead of us just showing up and saying okay you know here's this group and you guys are, are just gonna be like everyone else and you're just gonna keep, we don't have a relationship you know right that was were important for us and so that um, that January that trip that we did really kind of helped, you know, bring the two teams on two different continents together so that when we were there in, in, in April, it was like already a, you're, you're seeing friends that you knew from before and it worked out super well. Is, is that where it started to feel like real for you, I guess, because that kind of stuff you're building up to it, you're building up to it. And then it starts to become tangible at a point. Right. Yeah. So you know, we it was it was a long um, process of you know fundraising and right. and then pandemic. You didn't know if it was go or not, and then I kind of almost put it aside. It was like let's just scrap this because you know it was sometime in the middle of 2020, uh, you know, late 2020, I think, and like you just didn't know, right? And and so we, but we we kept going and and and. Uh, Kept with our meetings and so on, and um, it was it wasn't by the time we got to January, 
we had put in so much work that, but then it really became real. Like, right. wow, we're on a plane. We're in Nepal right now. This is actually happening. And that's when it really became. So by the time we, we were there for the expedition in April, honestly, I feel like we had already been so successful to get to that point. Right. That climbing the mountain and getting to base camp and climbing the mountain was probably the easiest part of, of the whole expedition. Right. Yeah. The legwork is, uh, I can't even imagine, like, especially over the course of two years or whatever and going through the pandemic and dealing with all that and then trying to get people to actually like see a reason to give you money for it and then making it all work. There's, there's so much that goes into it and so many pieces that, yeah. that have to happen. And like, I've talked a lot lately about just the luck aspect of things happening the way that you want them to happen. And I imagine that that's a big part of it for you guys too. Man, I mean, I you have to have a plan, but luck comes into play as well. And we were lucky with weather, um, you know. So you know th that's just it. And so everybody was lucky in that sense. All the expeditions, and it was a a, a really good ever season in a sense. But yeah, your planning comes into you know is is dialed, but luck comes in there for right. sure. Right, yeah. it's Everest. I mean, you yeah. And it, it's been in the mountains, you know, for a long period of time with the large group of people. It's like luck comes into play for sure. What was what was the biggest surprise to you as a group, I guess, when you were going through the process of actually summiting, right? When you're on the mountain, was there anything that came up that was unexpected or things that you were like, okay, this is this is hard <laughs> or like we need to get through this part of it? Um, well, shoot, you know. I mean, well, first of all, it, just remember, it's like I didn't summit, right? Right, right, right. I stayed, I, I stayed back, and so I think, you know, in in communicating and radio during our summit push, the hardest thing was the fact that um, people had to descend from Camp Three back to Camp Two because of weather. Okay. Right. You know, so when you're going up and you're like we're pushing, and all of a sudden you have to turn around and go down, you know, that that that's hard. Um, right. But I've, you know, I've been through that many times and right. it's like, it's just a part of the ball game. It's like, you know, it happens. Yeah. But, you know, it turned a hard thing into the, you know, the, they just went back the next day because the weather, you know, changed and the window was just a day later and, yeah. you know, everything was smooth. So that's where luck comes into place. Like we were lucky <laughs> that it was just a day. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> And I you get, know. yeah, that's kind of what I mean is like, sometimes you're on these things and it, that stuff just happens and, and dealing with that yeah. and, and having to work backwards a bit is what is always really interesting to me. Like when that stuff happens, because obviously it's difficult, but the pushback and like the taking steps backwards is always harder, I think, than taking steps forward because you're, you're there oh, yeah. and then you're like, let me work back and, and make this thing happen. That, that takes a lot of discipline, I think, from the whole team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's where, you know, hopefully, I mean, experience comes into play as well. And right. and not not saying that everybody has that experience, but I know that some people on the team had, you know, right. they know what it's like to have to retreat off of a mountain or, you know, to wait out a storm or things like that. And so, um, yeah, it, it, it comes with, you know, with uh, with experience. And that was one of the good things is that we knew that we had a strong team that had been through some things, you know, prior to going to Everest. Right. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk to you most about is representation and what that means 
to you, it's it's talked about a lot now. And I listened to you talk about it in a video earlier today, actually, um, where you were just talking about the fact that it's important for people to see people like themselves out doing something. And this is a thing that I've, uh, I grew up, I'm Palestinian, like I grew up like in a ski shop and it's not, I don't know, you don't see a lot of other Palestinians and Arab people like skiing and doing stuff. And it's always like a weird, it's a weird thing, I think, especially like mm -hmm. growing up in a shop. I kind of dealt with that a little bit, but. And every time I talk about representation, I get some pushback from people that are like, why does it, why does it matter? You know, like who gives a shit, right? Like who, who cares one way or the other, if you see somebody like you doing it, if, if we're all equal and we're all doing the same, why should it matter? But it, it very much does matter. And it very much matters to me and listening to you talk about how it's important, uh, kind of made me just, I don't know, want to talk to you a little bit about why representation matters to you. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, why it matters to me is that <laughs> first I have to say it like this, like I didn't come into the industry like to say that representation right. matters for what I'm going to do to, right. you know, to change that. I came into the industry because I loved what, what I could do. Right. I love the ski. I love the climb. I like being in the mountains and everything else came after that. Right? Um, and it comes with the territory period. I don't bring it. It just right, comes. Right. And so I can equally say on the other side, and if people could see this, then, you know, for one is like representation maybe doesn't matter to those because who don't have the problem of representation because they always see people like themselves. But if they can put themselves in someone else's shoes. And so, you know, I have friends when I was living in Kenya who, who saw the difference. I'm not pointing it out to them, but they see how people treat me as, as the majority when they're in the minority, right? right. I'm no longer in the, in the minority. And this was when I was living in Kenya, I was black and they were white. And it's just the nature of how people treated me and how, you know, they saw that as compared to how people treated me here in the U S right. in the in the outdoor industry. I'm not talking about just in general. I'm talking about as a leader of an expedition, as a right. team member of a, you know, an expedition team or whatever, they see that. And so um, I have to ask those people, you know, it's like, well, when you find yourself being then in the minority, you could understand. But here's the thing though, I also think that representation for me is, as important as me as as what i represent for them right right and the opportunities that there are so i get this opportunity i have this opportunity to learn about this other group of people and that those people from these other groups have an opportunity to have an experience with someone different than themselves right mm -hmm. but then here's the other part of that is with singular representation you don't always get that you, you don't get the culture right? right don't get aspects of that that you may get when you have more when you have multiple people from a different community or from different communities period yeah okay there's no dominant there's no dominance in there you know um and then i also think that the you know nature is is it's a it, it's an equalizer. So when you start to understand that as a group, 
of people. If someone in the group is different, doesn't really matter because we all have to live together in the first. Anyways, we all rely on each other. Um, we get to understand the things that we have in common just by the nature of we're spending time together outside for multiple days or doing something that we enjoy, right? Um, yeah. If you and I are skiing together, what's the commonality? The commonality is, man, we're having fun skiing. Right. That that's it. <laughs> right. Now we 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 maybe talk about those other things, but we have an, an, enough enjoyment for this sport that nothing else really matters. Yeah. And if we can look at things like that with 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 the things that we enjoy, and find commonalities like that, then then we can move away from why representation matters because we're all do we're all doing the same thing and we're enjoying each other company doing those things yeah yeah I, I, that's that's i think it's funny because it, it is a double-edged sword it, it's it is so yeah. important because without it without representation you don't get that actual experience being in the mountains together and like doing that stuff so like it never at any at no point does it become a level playing field i think because of the way that the internet is uh, everybody thinks that like you know everybody's on a pedestal like preaching for this but i think and to a certain extent and we'll kind of get into this in a little bit but it's really important for everybody to just go do the things that they want to do and and that's one of the most prevalent arguments that i hear is like nobody's telling you to not go skiing because you're black or nobody's telling you to not go skiing because you're whatever right and that's where i find this argument to be it's a real I hate the argument because it's just a lack of understanding I think that brings up that argument but it's also it's really important to kind of realize that yeah everybody should we all can do this thing right I I actually talked to Vasu a few weeks ago and he was saying like look I am a disabled man person of color who wants to just go out and do the things that I love and the reason that I'm using my platform to talk about these things is so that I can take up the space that's that's warranted right now. And as soon as there's somebody else like me that's out there and doing this thing, like I don't need to take up this space because I just want to go out and do the things I enjoy and feel free to do those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, and it, you know, yeah, it becomes a place where we can, we can, we can authentically be ourselves, you know, and, and, and open up space for other people like us to just, yeah you've been so you've been doing this for a long time um it's it's like you switched from playing football and having an injury and then you started spending more time in the mountains what what was that initial experience like for you just going out and climbing just going out and skiing and doing these these activities from doing like just playing traditional sports right because if you don't start that until a little later in life like it's a weird anybody that I talk to, right? Like I'm still in the ski shop a decent amount. Anybody I talk to that's going out for the first time skiing at like 18, 19, 20, whatever. I'm like, I almost want to like guard them and protect them from the, like (laughs) the entry point of these activities, because there's such a weird learning curve to these, to these sports, right. And to this industry. Yeah. 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 So, So, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I had, I had a few, you know, I had a few friends that I went skiing with and so on. But you know, when I started working in the industry, I just a lot. I just grew up by myself, huh. and I just skied. 
and that you know and that was that um, yeah it's a simple i mean thing. i know it, it sounds crazy but you know and then that's what opens up doors it's like you know and then you meet someone else and you ski with that person you know and then right uh, I mean, I I would I would ski by myself. I would go do backcountry trips by myself because I didn't do, I just didn't know people. I right. didn't know anybody who did these things. But I jumped right in. I I I took a nose course, so I had that foundation. I wasn't afraid of it, right. right? And so I just did it. But then I started you know meeting people, and so then I had a group of friends that I could do things with here and there. But I was you know. I mean, this was the early nineties, you right. know what I mean? And, and yeah, it was, it wasn't, people weren't talking about diversity and it, this wasn't a thing, you know, back then. And, but yet, like, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you an example. I had a friend of mine, Jim Faust, gave me the first job I ever had actually outside of retail. I worked at REI and Jim owned a whitewater rafting company. And I was interested. I asked him if he needed guides. He asked me if I had experience. We exchanged numbers, make a long story short. I went, took a trip down the river with him. He said, look, you can get three run clean runs down the river. I'll give you work. I'm going to give you a boat. You got to get your own people to come down the river, your own people in your boat. I'll give you a boat, blah, blah, blah. You get three clean runs down the river. I'll give you work. And that's, and so I'm like scrambling around trying to look for people to go whitewater rafting with me. Not, none of my friends to go because they've never been whitewater rafting before. You know, I got some people from the store to go at one point. I had a friend uh, that was a teacher. I got some of her and her teacher friends. I got, got two. I got two runs down the river. And 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 Jim called me one day. He's like, "Man, can you work this coming weekend?" And I said, "Yeah, I could, but I only got two runs." He's like, "Don't worry. The guide said you'll be fine." And he gave me work. He never talked. We never talked about me being a black person. He never looked at me or, or, or right. anything. None of the folks I ever worked with at that point did. You know what I mean? Yeah. He just gave me work. Yeah. And I went into a group of people, and we and we and we worked together. Right. Now, now, now. Here's the thing. This was in Oakdale, California, right? Because <laughs> it was guiding on the Stanislaus River. So, I, so Oakdale was like my second home for the next two summers. But the group of folks that I worked with, Jim, who was from Oakdale, he ran a small business out of his home for the most part. We had a couple of other guys who were white, myself, and we had a guy who was from New Zealand, who was Maui from New Zealand. And we had a couple of pitch-ins, but that was our crew for the most part, right? We just got along. We were, we were raft guides. I learned a lot of things from those from, from them. You know, we never talked about really the you know the diversity we had within our team but life was always like that for me you know i had friends from all over the place you know belize tonga um uh, mexico uh jamaica that that i've always had we never talked about that but then going to the outdoor industry is very different mm -hmm. right so no i didn't always have a a, a crew of people i could do things with but yeah. then when I did that whole crew of people I could do things with, 
to this day, I can probably name the number of, of black people here in the U.S. that I have done things with in the outdoors. I could name them right to you. I could give you the names right now. Yeah, That's how few they are, huh. you know? All right. We're interrupting this episode of the Out of Bounds podcast for a couple sponsors. Uh, our friends at Gravity Graver make the best ski storage solution that is available on planet Earth. Point blank. It is, uh, it'll hold broomsticks. It'll hold snowboards. It'll hold poles. It'll hold um, whatever you want. A leaf blower, probably. Um, but most importantly, it'll hold your skis. Uh, holds everything from a super rocker tip profile to something that is completely flat. Uh, with ease and I have been alarmed at how much better our studio looks without skis just piled on top of my desk or in the office or just on the floor. Uh, it is extremely organized. Ethan is a psychopath when it comes to cleanliness and organization and uh, he's very happy. So if you like cleanliness organization and your skis hanging to dry as opposed to letting them rust in the back of your car in your toolie box, gravity grapper hat, gravity crapper, Gravity Grabber has you covered and you can get a discount on Gravity Grabber products using promo code out of bounds. As usual, I don't remember what the discount code or what the discount number is, but I believe it's 20% out of bounds at gravitygrabber.com. Appreciate it very much. And they're back. Functionware. Uh, Functionware is a sponsor of the Out of Bounds podcast. They make they make face masks. I mean, it's really as simple as that. Um, they also make goggle covers. They make stuff for kids. They make, they have a custom line. It is, uh, it's a hugely important product for any outdoor activities. And, uh, and they make them in Colorado. It's a Colorado based company. They have a lot of cool, different prints, a lot of different styles to fit your stylistic needs and your swag. Uh, function wear is P H U N K shun s h u n wear.com i like function except spelled cooler um they're uh they have a great um eco story eco-friendly story how do i even say that how do i say that ethan eco engineering story according to their website um they're great Uh, that's really all i can tell you is the stuff is breathable and that's that's honestly my favorite part about it is how breathable the product is. Yeah, there you go. An average of six recycled bottles are used in each product. I feel like that's pretty freaking good for a face mask. So uh, get yourself some function wear. Go to functionwear.com and use promo code out of bounds. Save yourself some money and get a thing that is completely essential to your outdoor experience. And now back to the episode with Phil Henderson. So I guess on that, on that note, is it... <sighs> At that point, it was very much like, from what it sounds like, it was just, it, it was what it was. You didn't have to talk about it. It just, it was what it was. And you guys just existed the same way you would doing any other activity, right? You have experience to the job, end of story, right? That's, right. I, I think that's a good thing. I don't, <laughs> I don't love the like performative aspect of a lot of what ended up getting talked about, especially in 2020, right? You're following the George Floyd murders. Like everybody feels the need to like post on Instagram and tell everybody how much they care about one thing or the other, or one, one event, one, one cultural movement. And they attach everything that they're being to it. And there, there's a certain like performative bit to that at the same time. 
I think it's really good. And I think so much of it is really genuine for people to like talk about their support and how they feel about certain things. It, I guess where I'm going with this is, is it, how do you feel one way or the other? Like where it wasn't a thing of even conversation or where it's like every other conversation that seems to be had is focused on like diversity and ethnicity and where you come from and what gender you are, how you identify, like all this thing. Like it's a lot right now, man. Like it's, it's, it's like every other thing you see on the internet. It's about diversity or something like that is what you're saying. Yeah, like every other. And again, like I, I'm not saying it's necessarily bad. I'm not saying it's it's necessarily good. There's good aspects and there's bad aspects to it. I, I wouldn't say there's good. I wouldn't say good and bad. I would say it like I would put it like this. Every pendulum, every every pendulum swings to an extreme, right? Everything right. you you have that. You know, something comes up, like folks are way over here, folks are way over here. You know, at some point, things will settle. And why do things settle? Because people become educated. How do you educate? You talk, you right. communicate. So we need to talk about these things, you know. We need to talk about them to the point where it's just, an, it, you know, and but not just talk about it, but do something about it. Right. Now, that's, you know, the doing is is what we need to do, Right. Right. And a part of that is, I mean, you know, we, we do need to be educated about how to respect people. We've come on, we've been trying to educate people. That's it. We try to educate people like that since, since the day they're born. Right. About respecting other people and how to treat other people. And, you know, but we also have been removed from this, this, this connection we have with, with the natural environment. So we, you know, you have these two extreme things really pulling us apart we're trying to get things back together right and i've said this many times in that um the outdoors is not just about this outdoor community the outdoors is about our society and the global society because all of us as people are connected to this planet that we live on yeah see and we need to respect each of those things as individuals and this globe equally and that's that's the only way that we move forward. So if we don't have the conversations about diversity and why we as black people, I'm, I can't speak for other people, but as black people, why are we disconnected from right the environment, you know, or doing these these activities, however way you want to put it. How, but but then how are we connected as well? What have we, how have we always been connected? And, but also how do we view the outdoors, the industry that we, that we see it right now? And me, again, I see things from a global perspective, not just from a black perspective. Right. Because I have an opportunity to, to live in other places, not just visit, but live and understand, Right and talk to people and, and be able to speak their language. You know, I'd spent three years in, in Patagonia in Chile. And, oh yeah, I can tell you that um, me personally, there should never be a dam built in that country. Right, right. Which is the way, you know, right? And and to see how political, the political structure and how people are there about that or how women are a strong part of the political structure that we don't even have in the U.S. So you start right. to see so many different things 
from so again i say that because i'm looking at things from a global standpoint not just from a, a, a american standpoint not just from a black stand perspective but i also have had the opportunity to to live amongst and be amongst majority white people a lot of my life right yeah. but i've also had the opportunity to be amongst people from mexico right, right? And, and 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 people from from New Caledonia, if anyone even knows where that is, <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, um, you know, and and actually like understand these folks. You know what I mean? And 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 know their cultures. Right now, I feel blessed to to you know I, I spend time working amongst people from the Navajo Nation. Yep. And to to have that experience and to understand their culture more. See, the more we spend time with each other, the more we understand about each other and the more we can move forward and understand why representation is important. Yeah. Right? So don't you, you you can't tell me that you love culture and then not let me not let me represent that culture. Right. I've said this a lot of time. People say, Oh, I love culture. And you don't have to go out of the country to get it. <laughs> right. You can experience different cultures right here, you know, if you love it so much. Um, you know, and, and a part of that is getting out and skiing, doing the, doing those things that you love to do and not having to go somewhere else to do it yeah. and experience other cultures is a part of that as well. How, so how do you actually gain that perspective? How do you gain a global perspective? If people don't have the opportunity to go and live somewhere different and go and live at a different place, how how do people get to that point where they can view a little bit of everything, right? Like that's, that's a thing that I think I agree with you is really, really important. And it gives you a different lens to look at. Right. And you've had that opportunity to do that. So how do other people get to that, to get to that way? Cause everybody's so focused and I'm sure both of us at the same point, many days are focused on the day, right? They're focused on what they have to get through in the individual day. They're not worried about the culture aspect of it. They're not worried about the world. They're not worried about everything on a, on an everyday basis. It's extremely stressful <laughs> and it like, it's a lot, man. So, so how do people gain that perspective? Well, it's, it's, you know, you have to let people be who they are, right? Embrace what they bring. Right. Not that they have to to assimilate. Let them, you know, let them hang, hang on to their to their their culture and bring that and share that with you. Right. Um, that's the big, you know, that's the biggest thing you can do. Right. Right. Is just, just let, let people, people be themselves. Right. But here's the other thing, too, and, and it's a good question you have, and I don't know how, I <laughs> guess you, how things will go, and I don't know if we're live or not, but anyway, <laughs> this is also, I think, this is my, this is my thought, in a sense, in that, and, and I've gotten to this point because what always works for you doesn't work for me, mm-hmm. Right. Um, the systems, the systems we have don't, don't even, we don't even address systems and how they are that and how they can open up and make room in, in, in even a workplace. I'm going to give you a good example. 
if in the workplace you talk about the the, the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion, mm-hmm. and how that's at the forefront of the values of which you 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 run your business or your organization, whatever, then how important is it for me or you and I to actually have a conversation about that on work time? When you won't get it anywhere else when you leave work because there's no culture outside of your work. There's no people who are different outside of your work. But you and I sit right next to each other and we might engage in conversation that takes us away from the day-to-day for 30 minutes or so. Mm -hmm. Is that as important as 30 minutes that you... You know what I mean? Yeah. Or is it only important when you say we're having a discussion tomorrow at three o'clock about diversity, equity, inclusion? Mm. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's way more important to me when it just happens. Exactly. And so you have to then make room for it to just happen and then trust that your employees will do whatever it is and then open up the system so that they can do other things. Because that might mean you have to, work another 30 minutes or or an hour right but when you close the door and you say sorry you got to go home by six o'clock you don't leave that hour for us to then continue us doing our work right which then opens up the whole looking at the system and say well why don't we allow flexible hours for for employees right Right? that's a really interesting point (laughs) so like we can get down, we really need to get down the nitty gritty of what are we talking about when it comes to right. why representation is important or what is diversity, ethnic inclusion. But if you don't bring the, the 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 voices to the table that can allow you to or open up yourself to to be able to look at something a little bit differently, you know. So that's my one of the things that I can say to a president, CEO, whatever is to ask them to ask themselves. Don't you don't have to answer me, but how open are you to really doing something outside the box that's gonna really say that I support diversity, equity, and inclusion? Yeah. Or I really as a when I when I put something on there, it says on our website, I write a statement, it says, we as an organization really support and value black lives right because that's what we just put on our that's because that's what we just put on our website yeah may not be what you were looking for but this is what i bring you know what i mean because right i think we need to look at things differently you know no i love that i i think that that's and that's kind of what i meant right like it's it it feels like sometimes you're going through whatever you're scrolling through Instagram, you're going on Twitter, whatever social media you choose. And you're like, okay, this feels weird. Like you're just saying stuff. And I think that that's where I, I think talking about it's really important, but I think talking about it in a way that just feels like you're talking about it is, is my, it's the only way that I make a statement about it. Yeah. Right. Like you're not just like posting some shit on your story. You actually like are, are engaging in conversation for no other reason to just, than to just have the conversation and because it matters to you. I, I think that's a, I didn't even think about the workplace aspect of it and the flexible hours and that kind of thing. Like that's a, that's a perspective that I didn't have, but, but I can tell you the value of, of being able to just like do to work as you're comfortable working and to like be able to like have those flexible hours, right? Everybody has to have a job and everybody has to work, but we're in this point where so many people are starting to head back into an office from, working remote and, and some people are very resistant to that. And, and I actually think 
that employers should encourage people working the way that's most effective for them because whether it's in the office or working remote and you're you're putting yourself in that in that space to be most functional as an employee and in that space to be more connected with your community, right? If that means you're working from a park bench somewhere, I think that's fine. I think if you're working in an office and you get to have those types of conversations in your office place, then then that's great. But like the sit down and put your head down and just like get the like check off every day's box is kind of a shitty way to live, right? Like in, in general. Yeah, and you have to look at it too. It's one, like you say, it's one thing to make statements on on any you know social media platform but it's something different to actually spend time like with people like you know getting out and 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 you may have to go out of your way you know you, you may have to go you know what and you know tomorrow i'm actually gonna i'm gonna i i, I don't get this opportunity that often so i'm gonna spend some time with with Philip and and um, you know I'm just gonna stop by his house. We're gonna sit down and have a glass of wine and just talk. Right. But it's easy to just go home, right? And and then do another and then do another Instagram post tomorrow about how you're supporting diversity at right. work because you that because you went through this this you know uh, workshop that you learned a lot, but then you won't take the time to spend an hour with someone who's diverse right you know from a different culture you know to just say hey let and and then build because when you do that you build relationships but that's what the outdoor and that's what the outdoors has always done so you see that's why i see mm. it's an equalizer because when you're, when you're put into it you don't have a choice you're there you know you're you're on a a, a ski trip just because people are is our enjoyment of ski is skiing right mm-hmm. so we you know, one of the things that again this representation does right yeah but we have to but if we only have this within our own if our community is is only this and doesn't have any diversity to it within it that just happens naturally then is when these things start so it's like if you start with the let's say the ski community okay how do we how can we even help to have these conversations well let's put together a ski trip where folks are hiking and spending a, a you know their nights in a hut together and having conversation about anything doesn't have to be focused toward diversity but i can almost guarantee you that if you put enough people who bring come from different aspects of of, of society that there are going to be some different conversations outside of just ski yeah yeah, and I think it, it's funny. Everybody looks at everybody knows that just taking an online avalanche course or an online climbing course is not the same as doing it, right? But then when we have these discussions, people don't necessarily understand that, like, yeah, you can take a diversity training course, you know, at your job or whatever they call it, and but that doesn't make you, that doesn't give you that real life in person experience. It just tells you what's on the sheet, and it's the same thing in a, in a lot of ways. Like you're you're not existing in real life you're not actually putting those, those lessons into practice. It's like, you forget it. Like, I, I don't know. I did algebra in eighth grade. I couldn't tell you right. shit about algebra right now because I don't, I didn't do it. I don't know any of that stuff because it's not, it's not my reality. It's not my life. So why does, so, so, so the question again becomes, why does representation matter? Because representation brings representation. Right. Right. Um, you know, with, with, 
without it, then you, 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 the perspectives that you get become the same without yeah. rep, rep, representative from, from different aspects of, of our culture. And again, my culture mean is a, is a global culture, Yeah, not just, you know, our society. And that's a gift that I've been given, but it's the gift that I, that I say that I know that is, is, is a true piece of the solution when we come to talk about why these things are important. Why is representation important? Why is diversity is important? Well, I've lived through that in enough places and and to understand the why, you know? Right. So, and this is maybe, maybe this is a shitty question. I don't know, but I'm genuinely curious. How, how do you, how do we promote that level of representation in a way that is, that is genuine, right? Like how do we get people that come from any different background to want to participate in things like skiing and things like climbing and in the outdoor industry as a whole, right? How does that, what is that next step? How do we make that kind of leap from like, yes, here's, here's some representation. Does it just happen? Right? Like, I I don't know. No. And again, this is, this is, this, I I believe this is a, 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 this is just me again, you know, right. My piece of the puzzle, but you know, if, if you can genuinely have diversity and representation within anything, right. Mm -hmm. Which means that you, you bring in, you find a way to bring in enough people that they're, they're happy. They don't feel like they're, they're, they're being used. Right. Or, 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 um, manipulate anything. Right. And so this folks from the outside, wow, there's that person, that person, that person, they look like they're having a good time. I want to be a part of that. Right. 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 It's yeah. Changing that <laughs> and, stigma and, is weird though. Like it's, it's a weird thing to do some, like I can tell you from my experience, right? Like my, uh, I've taken my uncle skiing, like very, very Arab men that came over like a, like 10 years ago or something like that. And every time I yeah. take them skiing, they're like, fuck this shit. Arab people don't go skiing. End of story. Right. right. So they have this kind right. of stigma within themselves. And that's where I'm right. like, this is like, I'm like fighting this right. uphill battle and they don't even want to like put, they don't even want to go down the whole mountain sometimes. Sometimes they'll go like, you know, four turns and then they're walking down the hill because they have it in their head. And these are my family. Right. And I'm like, this is what I've done my whole life. And it's so right. hard to get people that I'm the closest with to, to come out and try something new and be uncomfortable because they don't feel like it's their, they don't feel like it's their element. And maybe to a certain extent, right. it's, it's, it's hard to do anything yeah. that's uncomfortable, but it's it's funny. So I will, uh, and I think because we're we're really talking like skiing, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. The, the the National Brotherhood of Skiers has been around for fifty years, mm-hmm. something like that. I don't know exactly. I'm not a member of any club or anything like that, but I can consciously say that that they bring a level of representation that's almost unheard of in any other non-traditional activity. Mm-hmm. Um, it, what it brings to this, to, to the, to the, to the ski industry is fun. Uh, 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 energy um 
representation. And it's something that says that, that this is for all. Mm-hmm. And what we do is for all, but we bring what we bring. And I don't know if you've ever bring any event the National Brotherhood of Skiers, but I think it's a good example of what large scale representation looks like. Mm-hmm. And but it, they have a you know they have a a, a, a a you know a small gathering here. They have a, a, a summit once a year. Okay. I don't go skiing at those events all the time, but when I do, it's it it it. I see so many people from all over, wherever they are, just having a good time, mm-hmm. right? And then the rest of the, the year, or maybe even be two years or five years before I go to another NBS event, I'll still go out and ski. But yeah. I know that they haven't; they have had this impact on people around. And so, even when people see me out skiing. They have a different perspective now on a black, black person skiing, right? Right. Or if I'm out skiing and I'm working with a friend and we're uh, doing transceiver practice or digging a pit or something, and someone sees that, right? I am a representative of not only a skier but a black skier. So the next time someone sees that, they may not. It may not be such a novelty that it just becomes the norm. Mm-hmm. When they see enough of us doing that, yes, it's just the norm. So it's not a, a, a strange thing anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Novelty is probably a good, a good word to it, I guess. Like that's a, yeah. yeah, it's, I guess it's just finding a way to do those kind of things. And, and maybe that's a good example of a, of a group that has made it, made it easy for people to just go out and do these kind of things, like do these kind of like niche outdoor sports. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, you know, we can, you know, climbing could be the same. Uh, it just needs to be enough representation mm. in a positive way that brings that. And it's represented within the industry in a positive way. You yeah. Know? Yeah, for sure. Not positive on your terms, what you say is positive, but for us, that brings us in the door. Right, you know, it helps us understand that we that we we are comfortable here, right? Yeah. And we're gonna go enjoy this activity. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, it's like a lot of things. It's like a, I don't know. I grew up in a household where where anybody was welcome to come, and anybody that needed anything was welcome to come. Yeah. Right, like you right. can come over and you can have right. dinner with us at any point in the week. Right, like you can yeah. be someone we don't exactly. talk to for years. Like come for dinner. And you're treated like yeah. the same as like your family. Like even if we never see yeah. you, like you're that experience. No is one same. gets turned away. You no, be yeah. the friend of a friend. Exactly. Right? You, and you no one gets turned away. Like. You're welcome. Right. Exactly. I've watched right. my father have right. people over that he genuinely does not like or agree with in any way and just have them over and have a conversation. Right. And I think that part is so it's almost more important when it's somebody that you don't necessarily necessarily see eye to eye with and or somebody that you don't you don't understand at all. Like those conversations right. make so, a lot more progression. So it's it's good for he, for you for me to hear you say that because I've used that as an analogy in in a, lo- a lot of times in that in you know in our in my household I can only speak for my household right which is you know my the way that I grew up here in the United States but no no one would ever get turned away for mm-hmm. for for. for 
you know, if you come, you, you eat. Uh, if you're if if you're my daughter's boyfriend, doesn't matter what you look like. You that's who you've chosen. So that's that's who's here. Nobody's gonna get turn. You know, get out of here. Blah blah blah. We don't want you. No. So would you do the same thing outside of the home? Mm-hmm. Right. No. You you treat people with that same level of dignity and respect and and acknowledgement and all of those things whether they're skiing or coming to your house for dinner. Right. Right. Make them feel welcome. Yeah. Welcome them. And and then you give until they've given you a reason to not welcome them anymore. <laughs> right. 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 And it's and then it's understood. And 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 it shouldn't be a mystery of why. Right? Because there's a reason there. But yeah. A lot of times when there's no reason. So, right? Yeah. So when you so I always just go back to say when people say what well, you know why is is representation matters like why do we have to have a reason you know it's just right. it's because because we're human beings right right because we want to go and do something we because we want to walk on this earth the way that we want and and that's whether in, included in this thing, whether that's something that you own or don't own or that you do or don't do, whatever it is, we just want to have that same common level of entrance and respect to that entrance to be able to do things in life. Right. Yeah. I, I And I like that analogy where it's like, yeah, I mean, skiing in a way or outdoors or what, whether it's climbing, skiing, like snowboarding, who give like it really doesn't matter. That's, that's your analogy for a home. Like that's the analogy for, for like welcoming somebody into something that you do. It it should be like, if you need goggles, I'm giving you goggles. If you need a boot, I'll give you a boot, like a boot. I I don't, to me, it doesn't, I'm happy to, that actually makes me feel better than me going out there with all my like new kit and you going out there as like you're on rentals and whatever you found in your closet, that's warm enough, right? You get 10 pairs of sweatpants on. Like that doesn't necessarily it, it makes me feel much better to get somebody out there and treat them the way that, that I've learned. Right. So, right. You know what? Cause when you, when, when you, when I win. Right. Exactly. When you're comfortable, I'm more comfortable. Exactly. You know? And now I have a friend that does something right. Like that's a, that's a, that's the benefit for me is like now the next time I want to go, I don't have to like search through a Rolodex of people. I can just call this person that I know just had a good time and we can have a good time again or not. Like that part is like it, it's a nice thing for me to share that experience with somebody else. And, and a lot of times that that's what representation is for me right. often is, is being able to just go out there and, and feel that, feel that connection. Like that's how it happens. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, again, I know we're talking skiing, but it, 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 you know, in that industry in the outdoor industry, and to me, it's always just, it's, it's crossed all of those and into life as well. And yeah. that's the reason, the biggest reason I think for representation in the outdoors is because um, that then transcends into our everyday lives as well. Yeah. Um, okay. Last thing, and then I'll let you get out of here. Um, they are a, there's somebody that has given us both uh, money and a platform. So Snowbound, you're speaking at in uh, November. Uh, so Tell me a little bit about what, when you do these speaking engagements and not necessarily just snowbound, what, what do you talk about and what do you decide what you're going to talk about and what, how do you decide what's important? Because I, 
that would drive me crazy. Like, do you go into it with a plan? Do you go into it with an agenda? Do you go into it and you're just like, this is me. This is what I'm here to do. No, I mean, it, it, it really depends. It really depends. But to me, it all runs together. You know, I can't talk about skiing and not talk about the re- the, the lack of representation mm-hmm. because I've been skiing for so many years and have like been that on 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 both sides, the positive side and then and then and the, the negative side of being a person of color in an industry where the best way I can say is people don't know what to think. Right. Right. Um but I've also worked my way through the industry to have accomplished enough things right. to be able to that people don't have to think. Right. Right. <laughs> Right, you just make it work. You know. Um so you know, I can have the conversation about a lot of things, and I say this a lot, you know, and that I'm an outdoor professional. Yes, I have to go back and say we're talking skiing right now because I can also talk, you know, about my you know, my experiences in the climbing community or in the boating community. Um, you know, so many of those things. And so uh but skiing is it, it's the one thing that I like. It's the one thing that gets me up at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> right. Right. I'll do that to go skiing. Uh, I'll do it to go climbing. Every you know, if I'm out in the mountains, but um, to get out of the house at three in the morning and go skiing and watch the sunrise, one of the right favorite things to do. And so, I, it's easy for me to talk about skiing. Yeah. And what it's done for me. Um, and uh just the passion for it but also it's like but what's the future of it yeah right yeah that's All a much right. that's a scary conversation to have is like what's the future of it what does it look like and what's what's next there's so many things impacting yeah. this that that's why I, honestly for me that's one of the things that i I like about this industry so much but that is also so scary about this industry is that it's so it feels fleeting and it is constantly fleeting it's like you're relying on this weather thing. You're relying on this thing that is nature itself. It is like it's gone like that sometimes, you know, and it, it changes overnight. And and who knows where we'll be in 10 years, right? Like we have this climate change thing, and that's a that's a real impacting factor for, for what a whole industry looks like, for a massive industry and for a huge number of people that that this is their thing. And it's uh, it very well could be, you know, permanently fleeting. Yeah, I mean, if 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 we look at statistics and so on, you know, well, which is again go back and you say another reason for greater representation. So mm-hmm. the more people that we can have enjoying the sport, um, which is being, I think, pushed back for a number of reasons. You know, not only is our winters getting shorter, but things are getting more expensive across the board. You know, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, we. We, we need to educate people um, about uh, what, it, you know, what we can do as individuals um, across, you know, all lines to curb, you know, global warming or, or to, to educate people about uh, climate change and what that means. Yeah. 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 There's a lot there. Um, 
Phil, where, where can people find you on the internet? Where can people learn more about what you do? Um, where can, uh, if people want to connect with you, where, where do they get you? Yeah. Um, Phil underscore Henderson is my IG handle, uh, or full circle Everest expedition.com two places that you can, you can find me. Yeah. Awesome. Um, or they can show up at your house for dinner, apparently. So that's good too. Or they can show up at my house for dinner. Man. But you know, I mean, it, it's yeah, it's <laughs> I do I ha- I do have somewhat of an open door policy, in a sense. you know, that's a whole nother conversation. You think about it. <laughs> you know, I had I had did I had the conversation with with a friend of mine not too long ago about you know when you're in Nepal, you're hiking, you're hiking like a trail go past someone's front door, right? Right. You know, they're they're doing their laundry, hanging their laundry out, and you're you're hiking. Would you allow that to happen at your house? Yeah. I mean for me, yeah, but like it's it's with it, you know. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a hard it is a weird thing. I and it's funny because I know how I feel about it and I know how I react and I, I live at the bottom of a of a trailhead, a small, small mountain for sure. And and it does happen to yeah. me and I'm I'm like, cool. But I'll go five minutes down the road to go to a mountain bike trailhead and I'll feel weird that the trailhead is at someone's literally in someone's yard. Right. And then I'm like, like, I hope they don't mind. I hope it's not weird. I hope they're not like bothered by my presence here. Like, you know, like you're, you have that anxiety about it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the asset is a whole nother conversation, you know, right. (laughs) It's like, I have, you know, I have people who will stop by because I have goats. Right. Um, That's awesome. They don't, they don't know who lives here. And then it's like, okay, now here's a good, uh, uh, um, example of why representation matters. Yeah. And I'm just a person, but those people don't know who they come and get out of the door. I walk out of the house. Oh, it's like, who am I representing? I'm representing a person that has goats. Right. 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 You know what I mean? Yeah. But but in someone's eyes, whether it be my eyes or their eyes, wait a minute, there's something different here because this person doesn't look like me. Yeah. But still, I'm just representing the guy with the goats. That's where your interest was. That's what we have in common. So why should it, why does it have to go any further than that? Yeah. Yeah, it shouldn't. It shouldn't have to. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't. Just right. the guy, just the you guy know? with goats. Right, you know, or a skier is just a guy who's skiing. Yeah. And whatever level, whether they're at the entry level or whether they're at this level, doesn't really matter. Because we if you're up if you're at this level up here, you at least wherever the level I'm at, I still remember being at that entry level. Yeah. Right. But I also know what it's like like to walk through these other levels of this. Thing, but having that same feeling as if I'm only at the entry level. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I think there's, there's really something beautiful about the simplicity in that though. Like, cause you're just, you're just focused on the thing that connects you. And I think that that's, that's kind of the end yeah. goal, right? Like that's the end goal for yeah. this whole thing. And this whole conversation is like, if it can be as simple yeah. as what you're doing right now, then nothing else, nothing else should matter, but it does matter right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or the, 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 the hill of which I go to ski doesn't really matter to me. Yeah. You know, what matters is the fact that I get up 
and I and I and I get up off my ass and I go out and I do it. Yeah. And whether that mean if I'm just cross country skiing that day or if I'm hiking 200 feet or 2,000 feet doesn't really matter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For sure. And we can all represent that of just getting up and getting out. Yeah, that's a that's a goal. I think that should be a goal for a lot of people, right? And I, I mean, obviously, like no one gives a shit about what I think should be goals, but I, uh, for me, that's a that's important. Uh, it's an important step to get to. Yeah, yeah. So, um, oh. Phil, good, man. Yeah, this, this is, is fun. This has been great. I really appreciate the time. 